Welcome to Amplify, a podcast for creative and courageous entrepreneurs. As always, I'm your host, Kate McCarthy, and y'all, I am so thrilled this week to be able to share with you a conversation that I had a few months ago, but have been waiting for the absolute perfect time to share with you. It's a conversation that I had with my dear friend, Sue Gothier-Pin, who is an integrative expressive arts therapist and holistic life coach based out of California. Sue is one of my absolute favorite people to talk all things self-awareness, creativity, balance, play, vulnerability. And in this conversation, we talk about it all. I cannot wait for you to hear it. So enough with the waiting. Let's get to it, shall we? Thank you for being here. I'm so glad you're here. I've been waiting all week to talk to you and see your beautiful face. And um, I'm really excited for our audience to be able to meet you through their headphones or whatever they're listening on um, because you're amazing. And I literally always walk away from talks with you with like more ideas, feeling deeply held and like so motivated. Um, And you and I were just talking for like the last 10 minutes and I didn't hit record <laughs> and so much brilliance came out and I was like, ah. Um, so without further ado, can you just tell our audience a little bit about yourself, what you do, all the things? Sure. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited. I too always walk away from our conversations feeling super excited about the work that we do and all the cool ideas that we generate when we get together. Heck yes. So I'm Sugathir Penn. I'm an integrative expressive arts therapist, as well as a holistic life coach. So I provide mental health counseling here in California, and then also provide life coaching and creativity coaching to folks anywhere in the world. Mm. I love that. So before I hit record, should have I should just always record every conversation we ever have and then <laughs> make it into podcast episodes. Um, You and I were talking about kind of like the current season of business and where you are right now. Um, And if you're comfortable, can you share a little bit about that? And then I would love to talk about the seasons of business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. So uh, before Katie pushed record, we were talking about where I'm at in my business, which is a little bit of a hot mess and kind of like in a holding pattern. I'm straddling the line between working towards my clinical license as a therapist here in California and um, doing my work as a life coach. And there is a lot of overlap, but they're also their own two distinct things. And um, I feel like maybe for the last year, I've kind of been straddling that line. And, you know, do I spend more time getting my hours as a therapist? Do I spend more time in the coaching world that I love? So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Holding, holding pattern. Holding pattern. Like I just picture this plane. (laughs) Um, I think it's really one of the reasons why I love this and I love this conversation is that like, first of all, your work as a therapist directly informs your work as a coach and vice versa, right? Like you're, you have all the tools at your fingertips. Um, 
And actually, it's one of my favorite things to work with coaches who either have therapeutic training or are therapists themselves because there's like a depth of knowledge and like self-awareness and like you've done the work on for yourself to make sure that you're not like um, bringing ego or your own triggers or whatever into the room, which I think is huge. Um, but also because the majority of human beings that I work with are multi-passionate individuals, which means that like defining yourself as one thing uh-huh. is like it's weird. It's not hard. a thing. No, yeah. It's not a thing. And when we try to fit like into those boxes, <laughs> it's almost like we like have a tourniquet on an arm and like a lack of blood flow to that one area of our personality or our passion or whatever. And I don't know about you, but like cutting off a limb is really difficult for me. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know if I have a question or anything (laughs) now that I think about it, but I just think it's so important to bring up the fact that you don't have to be one thing. Um, there are, Within your business, I think it's really important to get specific, to know who you're talking about, to know what you offer. But like, just because you offer that one thing to that one group of people does not mean that that's the entirety of your identity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, And that all of those pieces kind of work in unison. Um, So before I had hit record, (laughs) we were talking about – like the current season of business and like this idea of time as business owners yes. and momentum. Mm-hmm. And um, I had shared that I am most recently learning that this business thing is not a sprint. It's not a hustle. It's not a slow burn. It's not a marathon. It is just your mother freaking life. And – um, which is huge. It's yeah. huge. That realization is huge because, uh, you know, I think we said this when we were talking, but we're both so used to like hearing in the business, like you need to have your business plan and you need to like think a year ahead of time and you need to like have everything planned out ahead of time. And that's really difficult to do. Yeah. Where, so obviously you're at a certain place, like balancing this therapeutic and coaching identity and where you put your energy. Um, When you first launched your coaching business, did you have a picture in your head about what it would look like? And no, no, she's shaking her head. Like, Oh, I'm shaking my head. No. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the coaching kind of fell into my lap. You know, I had someone come to me to see if they could see me for therapy. And at that point I couldn't, I didn't have a supervisor and I knew them like in the world. So as a therapist, you aren't supposed to have dual relationships. So I can't provide therapy to like friends or family. And this was a colleague. So it would have been, I wouldn't have been able to provide her therapy anyways. But she was like, oh, well, do you want to be my life coach? I'm like, I don't know what that means. Mm, let me do some research. Turns out it was fine. There's no ethical issue with providing coaching. So I went for it. And that's how it all got started. So it was never a plan in my mind, like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. And these are the services I'm going to provide. It just kind of fell into my lap and I went with it. It turns out I love it and I'm really good at it. And so it just kind of, it's like one little baby step at a time. That's yeah. sort of how it's been going. 
I um, I have two thoughts on that. First of all, like how amazing that like that's how my business started as well, like organically. Like, mm-hmm. oh, there's this thing that is natural and I love and I'm good at and I didn't even know that people would pay me money to do. Right? <laughs> um, but also like I would love to know like what about coaching – lights you up like what about that role um i mean because obviously you must have loved that and it's stuck and so like what what about it like keeps you going in the coaching industry oh man there's so much sorry (laughs) so many questions so much there um okay first of all to me coaching is more dynamic than therapy it's more like boom 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 We've got a goal. Let's get through the stuff so that you can reach your goal. Therapy is a little bit more allowing of time and space to just be with something, uh, which has its own benefits and is lovely and very deep, rich work. But it's distinctly different in my experience to coaching. Coaching is very dynamic and fast paced. So it was it was like a totally different experience where you can see folks have results very quickly and where they're feeling really great about themselves very quickly. And it was just like, Oh, this is kind of fun. It's fun. It's fun to see people like change and transform and like meet their goals quickly. Yes. So like if somebody were to come to you knowing that you provide both services, like how would somebody know whether or not they need a therapist or whether they need a coach? I knew you'd ask me this question. I was rehearsing this in the shower earlier, which is why (laughs) I showed up late to (laughs) this podcast recording. Um, Okay. So how do you know if you need therapy or if you need coaching? The best example, the metaphor that I have heard is it's like climbing Mount Everest. That when you go to climb Mount Everest, you have to pass medical examinations. You have to have basic climbing and camping skills. Um, You know, all that kind of stuff. So you have to go through this whole process to even be eligible to climb the mountain. And then when you climb the mountain, you have a Sherpa or a guide, someone who's been up and down the mountain a bajillion times and can kind of show you or like help you tweak your techniques for camping and hiking to help you succeed and get to the top the of the summit. mountain. Yeah. The summit. There you go. Mm. That's the word. So therapy is like when folks are coming in for that medical exam and that like basic training. So the folks who like maybe have clinical depression and can't get out of bed, can't go to work, it's really distressing their social lives, their professional lives, their spiritual lives, and they need like medical treatment, maybe seeing a psychiatrist, there's got to be an integrative approach to get people feeling better. That's kind of where I see therapy at. It's like base camp to get people kind of back online with enough coping skills so that they can start the climb of their life. Does that make sense? Yeah. I love that metaphor. Yeah. And then coaching is for folks who have done some of their work, at least for me, the folks that I work with one-on-one and in my groups, they've already done some kind of inner work. So they've got insight into where are some of these patterns coming from and what are basic coping skills that I can use so I can show up in my life. But it's for folks who are like, okay, now that I've got my basic coping skills, I have this dream or this goal, but I've got some fear and self-doubt wrapped up into it, maybe some self-limiting beliefs around 
ability or worth to get up the mountain, which is where I come in as the Sherpa or guide as a coach. And I help people step-by-step make it up the mountain towards their goals. And I remind them that they have the strength, the ability, they are worthy of those things. And I remind them, use those coping skills that you learned in basic training. So that, to me, that's the difference between therapy is more of a like medical necessity to get folks back online and back into their lives. And coaching is like, once you're kind of back online and you've got some basic skills, how do we get you up the mountain towards your goals and your dreams? Oh my gosh, that's the best metaphor of therapy and coaching I have ever heard. Use that everywhere. Tell everybody. Um, so what happens if somebody tries to climb the mountain without basic training? You tell me, Katie. What do you think? What happened? I mean, if we're using the same metaphor – I imagine that they have no idea how to like maintain their oxygen level, take care of themselves, that they probably push themselves way too hard and end up like stranded and alone on the side of the mountain, basically. She's shaking her head. Yes. So, oh, sorry. Yes. yes. <laughs> the word that came to me is burnout. Yeah. Especially for like the folks that I work with who I would like, there are three words that I use creative, spiritual, and sensitive folks, and also very passion-driven or um, purpose-driven and change makers. And I include myself in that group of folks, Um, but we are prone to burnout. Yeah. So the image or the thought that when you ask that, well, what happens to folks who try and make the climb but don't have those basic skills? To me, I feel like burnout or who forget that they have the basic skills because sometimes we get into this work and we get real excited because we're so passionate and driven and we forget that we have basic skills right. and that we have strengths within us that can help us get up the mountain. So um, that's another piece of it. Not just teaching skills, but reminding people that they already have the skills and the strengths within them to make it happen. Mm. So this is a total tangent, but I think that one, that, one that's connected. Um, I've been having a lot of conversations recently about um, the balance between feminine and masculine energy. And I guess I kind of see that as like the self-care skills versus the pushing yourself, like that there are two Mm -hmm. different energies. Like, can you, does that resonate at all? And like, Mm -hmm. how do you like not, maybe you don't have an answer to this. I would just love to hear your thoughts. When I'm at either pole, nothing Mm -hmm. gets done. Mm. All right, so we're talking about integration mm-hmm. of masculine and feminine energy, uh, which to me comes out of Jungian psychology and like archetypal psychology. At least that's where my understanding of it comes from. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I totally acknowledge that there are some problems with like the binary of like masculine and feminine energy. Right. That's a bigger conversation. Yes. But I do acknowledge that. And yes. I want to say that. Thank you. Um, yeah. So how are we talking about balance, finding balance? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think that, I mean, I don't know, I don't know in my life if balance has ever existed. Like, I feel like I've, I've wandered along the spectrum and used what I needed in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that sometimes when we have all of this external input that like 
it pulls us to our extremes and maybe like how to um, make sure that you're not losing yourself in the midst of that. I don't know if that makes any sense. It you're like, does. No. And that's a, okay. <laughs> it, no, it totally does. And that's a really big question. Yeah. Okay. First of all, uh, some people might disagree with me. So this might be controversial, but I'll put it be out there. Be controversial. Okay. The myth of balance is just that. Balance is a fucking myth. Yeah. At, at least the way that we conceptualize it and think about it. Right. You know, like the imagery that comes to me is the little scale. Mm-hmm. Right. And that it's like even. And I just think that that's bullshit. Like life isn't always even. It's cyclical. I don't know if it so ever is. No, it's yeah. not. Yeah. Life is cyclical and we will have times in our life where we feel shitty and we'll have times in our life where we feel great or we'll have times in our life where we do need more self-care and we'll have times in our life where we do need more drive and like get things done. Mm-hmm. Right. So the way that we conceptualize balance, I think is bullshit though. That like, Oh, we have to be even totally even all mm-hmm. the time. Right. Yeah. The way that I have experienced moments in my life where I'm like, Oh, I think I actually was sort of experiencing some kind of balance. It was where like, I know this is just going to be audio. Yes. Which kind of sucks because I'm using my hands as like a demonstration here. But like, imagine you're going down a road, right? And then you kind of veer off a little bit. Maybe you take like the path less chosen. There you go. The path less traveled a little bit, right? Uh But then you start to realize, oh, I'm kind of like swinging out a lot. Yeah. I need to sort of make my way back to the main road. Right. Or like you go down the other side of the road and then you realize, oh, I need to come back. It's kind of, I see it that way. Like I work with a lot of folks with depression and anxiety and like some folks with mania. And part of what we talk about is knowing what those kind of red flags are of when you're going too far off Mm. the main road and how to bring yourself back. So I think just cultivating awareness of, oh, when, when am I starting to not feel so great? Or when is self-care actually starting to sabotage? Like, when am I using self-care as sabotage? Yes. Like, you know, sitting down and watching maybe like an hour of Call the Midwife could be very restorative. Six hours. Right. Binge watching for a week. You know, maybe maybe that's a red flag for somebody like, oh, am I starting to numb out? Am I starting to isolate? Am I starting to avoid, avoid, avoid? And then it's time to like do those activities that you know you need to do to bring yourself back to that main road. Yeah. Do you see there is like universal um, tools to bring people back or is it kind of individual? I think it's individual, but there are some tools that I've noticed that work very well for my particular community that I work with with, which is creative, spiritual, sensitive, um, you know, purpose-driven folks. My guess Change is me. that there are quite a few of those listening to this podcast episode. I would think so. Yeah. I think we kind of run in the same circle. Yes, we do. Yeah. My um, favorite people. Mm-hmm. My favorite people too. <laughs> my favorite people too. Um, have you ever heard of the artist way? Yes. I love it. I have found, at least for me in my own work, that the artist way is one of those things that when I start going off the path and I start to feel like, oh, I'm actually really stressed out. I need to bring it bring it back center, come back home to myself. 
the artist way is my go-to. It's like my path back to myself. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I, I found that other folks who kind of run in this circle that we love, yes, the, the artist way is very helpful for them. Basically, like reengaging your creativity, not from a product driven place. You know, like in business, we use our creativity to write, to come, dream up new programs. We use our creativity all day long, but it's product driven. Yes. Who's going to buy it? Yes. What I'm suggesting is that we need like creativity that is fun just for the sake of being fun. Mm. To bring us back to center. Yes. We need to do things that are nourishing, not because uh, what will someone else think or how is this going to improve my thing with this person or like my business? Instead, like I'm doing this thing just to come home to center, just to find my way back to that main road. Yeah. I love that. I think that there are so many um, entrepreneurial humans who um, get lost in how will this serve my business as opposed to like all the time. And I'm like, no, your business serves your life. You're li- I mean, you know, it's there's a, obviously a balance and a cyclical element to that as well. But like having that as the reason that you do everything that you do, oh, you miss out on so much. And I think it's so easy to do that like wandering thing where you get really off center. Like a lot of my clients, a lot of them have just been like knocked way off kilter by all the messages that they hear and like hustling in all the wrong directions and I love that, like, it's – I don't want to say it's purposeless, but it's not productivity-based. That's what it is. It's not productivity-based creativity mm-hmm. that will guide you back to yourself. Mm-hmm. It's fun, playful. I kind of like the word purposeless. Yeah. I mean, the purpose is to bring it back to yourself, but it's not, like, driven, I guess. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I kind of like that as like kind of a contradiction of like, no, but I'm a very purposeful person. Everything I do has purpose. <laughs> yes. Um, which then totally reminds me about getting into perfectionism around like doing things. Anyway, that's another Oh my gosh. Podcast, you're probably. coming back and we're going to talk about perfectionism <laughs> because holy shit, yes. Um, um, I think that that's like – that's like integrating, allowing that expression to be fun as well. Like I think that between self-care and hustle, sometimes Mm -hmm. like the word fun or play is left out of the conversation Mm -hmm. completely. And I know that you – You've, I've, you know, I follow you online and stalk you. (laughs) Um, You've talked a lot about play as like Mm – a way to come back to yourself. And I would love to know like how you work with clients around that and for yourself. And mm-hmm. Well, so it's tricky to be super transparent. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. Like I've, <clears throat> I've had to cultivate awareness around when I get off that path and when I swing way out and get super stressed out and close to burnout. And then I'm like, wait, let me check in. What have I lost connection with? And usually it's my sense of play. It's my sense of wonder. It's my silliness and goofiness. Um, 
And so then it's time to be like, okay, what are my go-tos? How do I get back into my play? I go to a park and I swing on the swings and I go down, I go down the slide. It sounds so silly, but it actually really helps. Yeah. I go hang out with my teenager niece and nephew and like talk, I talk about Snapchat. I don't even get Snapchat. (laughs) I don't don't understand it, but just like shooting the shit with teenagers. Yeah helps me to feel more playful and like take things less seriously. Yes. Um, I do art journaling. Actually, art journaling can is sort of starting to go more producty for me. So I might need to find a new outlet. Oh, that's a great, that's a great tip. If you are used to doing a particular type of creative activity, such as if you are a writer or let's say you're a painter and it's starting to feel like not fun anymore, Go do another creative activity in another modality. Yes. Go take a dance class. Go take a pottery class. Take up knitting. Whatever it is, but do something that's different from what you're used to doing. Yeah, shake things up a little bit. Shake things up a little bit. So for me, I work a lot with visual art. As an expressive arts therapist, we do a lot of visual art. So I do that all day long as my job. So for my fun, creative pursuit, I am venturing into the world of performance. My, my thing hasn't been accepted yet, so we'll see. But I have submitted an application to be part of a community theater but project here in Long Beach. But that's super brave to go and do something, too. Like, sometimes it's scary to do the thing. So scary. Even if it's for fun or play, like, ugh, it's vulnerable to do something, something new and to, like, so the other week, last weekend, I was on retreat with my mastermind, which was oh, amazing. Yeah. And um, we went to a pottery studio and threw clay and did the things. And it is something I've always wanted to do. And now that I'm back uh-huh. home, I'm planning on signing up for classes because it was so great. But like I, as a lifelong recovering perfectionist, that is a – psychological addiction that, you know, I continue to work on. Um, I was so nervous that, like, my pot wouldn't be good and I, like, ugh. I'm nodding my head. Ugh. I was, like, so worried. And then I, like, just, like, lost myself in the experience. Um, But it was so great to, like, because I'm a writer. And so, like, the idea of writing for creativity to me is, like, uh, sometimes fun, but like I get really caught up in producing things. And so uh-huh. I like need to dance or like now I'll do pottery or whatever. Um, but I'm really excited about finding something new. Mm-hmm. With your mastermind, when you went and did pottery, was it for a purpose or was it just to have downtime and play? It was just to have – it was to have downtime and play. And then the actual um, process of doing pottery on the wheel is a process of letting go. And I think that um, our leader, Anna, was uh, very intentional about doing something that none of us were like – had ever really done before um, so that it was – purely just to explore our 
creative creative edge a little bit more um, as opposed to like having to make something beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well done, Anna. Yeah. Good idea. (laughs) And actually the night before we were talking in a group and the question came up as of if you were to take classes in anything, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And people were like cooking or whatever. And I said pottery or glass blowing. And then the next day for a surprise, we did pottery, which was so perfect. Oh, that's a fun question to all of our listeners. If you could take any class just for the fun of it, what would it be? Mm-hmm. What would it be for you, Sue? Um, it would be burlesque. <gasps> I love that. Um, How come? In, um, ooh, another complicated question. Um, how come? Uh, it is vulnerable. I mean, it's really vulnerable. Yeah. Um, it's sensual. It is. It's an embodied art form. And for me, I can get real wrapped up in my head and intellectualize everything. And so I know that for me, for deep healing, I need some kind of somatic experiencing. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. So, uh, and it, yes, it would be for fun, but it's also for like spiritual transformation. Yeah. So to me, like the act of that type of dance it's not just like, oh, sexy, and I'm going to, like, take off my clothes. It's There's a revealing and a letting go mm. and a releasing and being transparent and vulnerable mm-hmm. where I see it more as a spiritual practice than just a dance class. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I took that type of dance class in San Francisco when I was working on my master's because as an expressive arts therapist, I had to have an arts practice the whole time. And so that was part of my arts practice. Mm -hmm. And it was very transformative, totally changed, um, like how I look at my body and how I experience my body. I had no idea. That's amazing. I have a close friend here in Seattle who owns a burlesque, um, group. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she explains it, but, um, like has a dance troupe. Yeah. She has a dance troupe and, um, she's a part owner and, uh, she has just shared the amount of transformation about also like, um, ownership and sovereignty over her body. Yes. And just how it's allowed her to really lean into this idea of choosing what she reveals, mm-hmm. um, as well as like leaning into vulnerability, which is like, so big and scary. And I think that we don't even think about that form of artistic expression as so powerful, but I think it might be because we're scared of it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that would be amazing. I can't wait to hear what other people think, what other people would like to, what kind of classes people would want to take because (laughs) I'll probably add that to my list of classes that I want to take too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Can I do a shout out? Yeah. So if anybody's in San Francisco and is interested in taking classes, where I took classes, it's through Kalita Mulaf, and it's called Showgirl Awakening. Mm. And um, she does performances, one-on-one classes, groups, and she um, pulls together a troupe to do carnival 
every year. So you can you can dance in the parade for Carnival with her. Oh so my Kalita gosh. Bulaf, Showgirl Awakening. Check her out. Sweet. She I will did. get the link and post it in the show notes so people can find that. I think that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think that it's really important to have that somatic piece of things. Dance parties are like a regular fuel for me. Um, yeah. All the different kinds of dance parties too because sometimes it's slow. Like you and I have a shared love of Noah, Noah Gunderson. And like sometimes it's just kind of like rocking out to that. And other times it's, you know, <laughs> Justin Timberlake turned up loud. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so since you're kind of waiting between these worlds of coaching and therapy, um, I think that the support system that we build up around ourselves as we're like navigating difficult decisions or transitions is really important. Um, what has it been like for you, particularly because the coaching thing, like you said, like fell into your lap, like it was just this beautiful, miraculous, not so coincidental gift. Um, what kind of support system do you build up around you? Like whether that's like your family or whether that's like an invested, like a business coach or whatever, like who, who do you make sure to surround you so that you don't go too far one way or the other um, down those paths? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I see my support system as concentric circles. So I've got like, you know, my husband is very supportive. <clears throat> and then like the next circle out, I've got a couple of really good friends who are also like healers, helpers. So they get it. They aren't, uh, they, oh no, one of them is an entrepreneur and like also service-based. So gets the struggle of you know, building your own business. Yeah. And then the other one is just another helping professional. So she really gets me from that perspective. And then like on the next circle out, you know, I have my own therapist that I see. Mm -hmm. I have a, I invested in a business coach mm -hmm. who I talk to every week. Um, and then with that business coach, there's also like a small group of women that get together to talk about, you know, the, all the wins and all the struggles that come with being an entrepreneur. And then I have a bigger community here in Long Beach. I spend a lot of time with other folks who are providing therapeutic arts in our community mm -hmm. um, and try to support them the best that I can. And I feel very much supported in my work from them. Mm. So I feel like I've got different layers of support from people who are very close to me, who know me really, really well to just folks who I see out in the community and feel encouraged by. And I also encourage them in their work. I love that. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think that the layers make it so that you're never, um, I don't know, so many of the things that we've talked about so far, whether it's like this myth of balance or whatever, um, I think that we love love this idea that like we could figure it all out and that it could just be set. Um, but like, because balance to me, the way that you were talking about it feels really static. And then like this idea of only having one support group feels really static as well. And I love this idea that like to have this like flowing energy within your support system, to have this like waiting back and forth 
um, on your journey. Like it feels very kinetic and moving and evolving, which is terrifying and like not what we usually want to hear. But, um, I love that you have all of those layers because I think that it allows you to be supported on so many different levels and then to be able to give back in the same Mm way. Mm -hmm. How Uh, about for you? How do you do support? Yeah. Well, I think um, that's a really great question because I've been thinking about that a lot. Uh, My husband and I recently made a few like massive changes to our lives. We decided to go sober. Um, which he is in his mid twenties and I'm in my early thirties. And, uh, within our community, that's not the easiest thing to do because social events are always, you know, happy hours and stuff like that. And so it's really made us think about like, who are we surrounding ourselves with and who is a part of our, like, who are people essentially? Um, and I loved, I love that idea of like Brene Brown where she, she has like that one by one sheet of paper where like those are the people who are your people and only you only get a few to fit in there mm-hmm. um, who are able who have earned your vulnerability mm, um, totally. and hold it for you. So I think that mm-hmm. there's like that teeny tiny square where I have like a few very close human beings Um And I found that particularly as an entrepreneur, it's been really important beyond that one by one square to surround myself with other people who are doing the same work. Because like Mm -hmm. you said, like, they only, they know (laughs) what, uh, what the struggle is. I remember I had a friend who she was talking about where she wasn't working. She works a nine to five, which is awesome. And she loves it. But she was like, I'm having one of those weeks where I'm feeling stretched and I don't really know where it's going to land. And like, I'm learning all these new things. And she's like, "Ugh, do you ever have those weeks? And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's every <All> day. <laughs> That's every day. And I love that. Like, it's the greatest challenge of my life to be an entrepreneur and also the most life-giving. But um making sure that I have those people. And this last weekend with that retreat reminded me of just how important that community is because um, we can express things without necessarily even having to verbalize them. Um, And then I have my in-person people, you know, Mm -hmm. which are just beautiful human beings who have seen us through some really tough moments in our lives. And, um, my husband is at the heart. He's on that one by one page, by the way, which I know that not everybody is lucky enough to have that, but he is. Um, and then I've got my family and my friends. And uh, I think I have a business coach and I have a therapist who I go back to whenever I need her. Um, and I've loved, we've worked together for like eight years, which is wild. Um, but having those trusted people that you know that they're there to support you from with objective and unconditional, you know, uh, positive regard, Mm -hmm. um, has been really important. But I would say that for me, the most transformational piece was figuring out who was on my one by one sheet of paper and not trying to fit all the people that I know into that, that one by one so thing. Oh, important. Actually, that'd be a great um like activity for folks mm-hmm. to do. 
so often the folks that I work with, the peanut gallery mm-hmm. is very much a part of like what they're struggling with. You know what yes. I mean? Like yeah. all the voices in their life. And we talk a lot about focusing in on what they want and what's important to them and like the people who are closest to them that their decisions might impact, you know, like their family or whatever. But yeah, the, the little piece of paper, uh, that Brene Brown example is. Yeah. So it's one inch by one inch, cut yourself out a piece of paper and like really maximum, you can fit maybe three names on there. Um, but they're the people who like get to see your heart and all of its messiness and who you trust to hold that space. Um, and we are, you know, we're luck- lucky to have one or two um, because not everybody has that. But I think that I, I definitely have gone through periods where I'm like, but everybody should be on that piece of paper because I want to show up as, you know, my fullest, biggest self. And I, I do. I still want to show up as my whole self in front of people. Mm-hmm. But like not everybody deserves to see this beautiful mess that is my heart. Um, mm-hmm. And not everybody can hold it. No. No. Because we all have our own baggage and get yes. like when we are confronted with someone else like that mirrors that baggage, but it's very hard to sit with it. And so there's, I mean, Julia Cameron talks about this in the artist way that you have to kind of protect your creative heart and you have to be really selective with who you share the ins and outs of your creative heart with. Cause some people just can't, they can't be happy for you. They can't hold it. And that's okay. But that's part of their own journey. Yeah. But we need to take responsibility for protecting our hearts in that way. I love that. And I think too that like if maybe this is just me, but it's probably not because I think we have universal experiences when someone can't hold it, um, who just doesn't have the capacity. Like I tend to think that it's about me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, I don't know that it usually is like, usually it's just, you know, not having the capacity to be able to do that. And that's okay. And to be able to honor that relationship without, um, judgment, I think is, oh my gosh, the journey, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> like not yeah. easy. Uh, no, not easy at all. Yeah. Ugh. Oh my gosh, Sue, I literally could talk to you for hours. Um, <laughs> and I, we will be ta- coming back and I think that we should just make a list of all the things that we need to talk about because I want to talk about perfectionism. I want to talk about creativity. I want to talk about spirituality, all the things. Um, but I think that as we close up this conversation, mm-hmm. um, I would love, like if you have any spaces online that you love to host people, where can our beautiful listeners find you? You can find me on Facebook, Sue Gothier Pin. Uh, I have a business page. It's Magnolia Moon Healing Arts on Facebook. And then I also have a private Facebook group called the Sacred Living Arts Collective. It's a group full of creative, spiritual, sensitive, driven, purposeful folks who are coming together to talk about how do we show up in our lives from a sacred place? And how do we come back to, um, you know, that centered place within us that is very sacred? Yeah. So if you're into that, come find us, the Sacred Living Arts Collective. And then I'm also on Instagram, Magnolia Moon Healing Arts. 
Beautiful. Oh, everyone go find her. All of those links will be in the show notes so that you can find them super easy. Um, and expect more episodes with the lovely Sue in them. Thank you so much for listening to Amplify, a podcast for creative and courageous entrepreneurs. If you love this episode, subscribe to make sure you never miss an Amplified beat. You can find resources, show notes, and downloads, plus my exclusive resource library at katekmccarthy.com. I am all about connection, and this internet thing makes it so easy. Come find me over on Instagram at katekmccarthy. Then reach out and say hi. I adore you already. Thank you so much to everyone who makes this podcast possible. Amplify is produced by me and my slam bang behind the scenes team. Catch you next time.